I love this man to my left, Pastor Aaron. Yeah, yeah, I love you, Mr. Mike. Uh, I've caused I've caused Pastor Aaron a lot of grief uh, over the past two and a half years. But there is no way, and I want you guys to hear me. There's no way I would be the leader or the man that I am without that guy's influence in, in my life. And publicly, I just want I, I want you guys to know that um, I know you know. We are blessed with a great pastor, and I'm not trying to get a raise, all right? Trust me. <laughs> It'd be okay, but I mean, I, that's what I'm not trying to do, but really my heart is, um, I want you guys to hear my heart. We, we do have an awesome pastor, and, and I've had the privilege of working with him basically on a daily basis for two and a half years, and I can tell you, he practices what he preaches, and he loves the people. He loves to shepherd the people, all right? So, you know, I think God gave me this analogy um, because we have a pretty interesting relationship together. It's, it's sort of like a master and his dog. And I'll let you guys judge, you know, between who's who. <clears throat> I'm the master. I mean, oh, man, <laughs> I'm sorry. But he's the master, and, and you know, um, so, so the master uh, goes, goes and, and gets this little puppy dog, and at first the puppy's all cute, you know, and he's new, and everything's good, um, but the puppy is very energetic. And the puppy, when left home a lot, uh, kind of gets into trouble, you know, scratches the furniture, um, eats the food, uh, does all the things that puppies do. Um, marks territory on things that shouldn't be marked on, right? So the puppy kind of gets in trouble. So the master has to walk the puppy and get all the energy out, right? And the master has a long leash because the master don't like to run a lot. But <laughs> so start putting my resume in, all right? Start putting my resume in. So the master... He's walking the puppy dog, and he's got the long leash, and he's, you know, got the, uh, got the headphones in with, uh, I don't know, sports talk or Billy Graham sermons. And so he's walking on, and, and everything's good, and then he looks over, and the puppy dog's in someone's garden, tilling up the garden, uh, you know, doing things he shouldn't do. And so every now and then he has to, he has to give the little puppy a yank, right, uh, and get me on track. And I think that describes our relationship. What do you think about that? You think that's good? But um, one of the great things is about serving under this guy is that he allows us to do things like Mudfest. And uh, Mudfest was absolutely incredible. And I had a friend of mine uh, who works at CMT, does an awesome job with video editing, uh, put together a little video that I wanted to show you guys this morning uh, to just kind of give you an idea of what took place uh, a couple weeks ago. Calling all the messengers, calling all the messengers, calling all the messengers. There's one person in this group of students that needs to make a change. How do, I, how, how do you know there's one? Because we've been praying for one. We've been praying for one student. Yeah, yeah we've been getting 
given a call Been forgiven, risen, we live in it, give them our all Rise up from your past, it's holding you down This moment is all that matters, the future is now How will the people know if we don't tell them? If we fail them, they stumbling in the dark But the light is what we carry, yeah Don't have to wonder your purpose or what you here for Reflect his image and show the world what he cares for And I know it's alright Was that not incredible? The whole theme, calling all the messengers. That was the, the, the entire point of doing Mudfest, is that we have a message. God has entrusted us with his message of hope, of reconciliation, of life-giving change. He's given us his message, and we are to take it out and to share it, and to spread it. And so that, that's why we did Mudfest. And we could have just said, you know what, there's, there's some big churches in this community. We don't have a very big, very big youth group in comparison, maybe 40 to 50 students on a Wednesday night. What can we do, really? What can we do? We'll just leave it to the other churches who, who have been established for years, who have a very organized deal that they run. They, they outreach to many, many students. We'll, we'll just leave it to them. We could have said that. But by the grace of God, we decided that we were going to take a step of faith and do something that we've never done before. And it was so cool to see how so many different people from this church body came together to do something bigger than themselves and everyone was unified because everyone understood the purpose of why we were doing what we were doing. And the purpose was not just to have a bunch of students on the campus. The purpose was to get this message Because we are the messengers. God has entrusted us. And it was just a beautiful picture of how so many of you, different gifts, different talents, some, some provided money, some provided food, some provided um, their possessions, some just provided their time, but so many of God's people. It was just like the scripture talks about, just coming together in unity to do what God has called us to do in the first place as his people, to share his message. And so Wednesday night of the event, I didn't know what to expect. You know, we had never done anything like this, so, so I didn't know if we were going to have, you know, four teams sign up or, or 20 or what. And I was standing on a truck bed. That's how we do it, New Market, amen? That's how we preach in New Market, from truck beds. Ain't that right? My stepdad's here. He knows about it. He'll tell you about it. But I was standing on this truck bed, 
on the hill out here by the church just looking out over these, these students. It's like, man, this is, this is it, God. This is it. This was the vision that you gave me. And now to see it, to see it begin to unfold was incredible. Thank you, Austin. Appreciate that, man. That's a serious moment in the sermon right there. If nobody gets saved, it's your fault. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Sort of. But anyhow. So, you know, we were looking out over these students. And, and in preparation to, to Mudfest, we, we were praying for that one. That one student. Boy or girl, many times I, I would walk this sanctuary Monday, Tuesday mornings, walking this sanctuary, praying, God, I just thank you in advance for that one student. That boy, that girl, I don't know who it is, God, but I thank you in advance for that one student. Pastor Aaron preached a sermon about praying in faith, praying with expectation, thanking God in advance for what he was going to do. And so that's how I was praying. God, thank you. Thank you. For saving that one. The Sunday before the event, back here with Miss Ann during our prayer time, very faithful woman of God, we came together and we prayed specifically for that one student. And so Wednesday night came and I had the opportunity to preach this great message to these students. And share with them how Jesus had changed my life. How he had changed the course, the direction, the purpose of my entire life. And that if he could do it for me, I know he can do it for them. Of course, I preached a little too long, as usual. Students don't want to hear me preach. They want to play mud ball, right? They want to get muddy. But nonetheless, I had a call. This is what God has called me to do, and it's to preach this message. And so by his grace, I preached that message, and we gave an invitation. We had a one-song invitation. No one responded. No one moved. One student prayed with Miss Beth, but, I mean, nothing life-changing, I guess you would say. So Thursday morning, I'm driving into the church, and kind of with mixed emotions and mixed feelings. I, I was excited at, at the event and how everything turned out and the fire department coming and providing the water and the amount of students that were here. You know, we had close to 200 students, probably 300-something total people. It was crazy. So I was, I was excited about that, but there was this part of me that was just kind of discouraged just kind of down. I was like, God, man, I, I prayed so hard. I, I just wanted to see one, just one student give their life to you. So I pull into the church, and I get off the phone with Pastor Aaron, and I get this text from a parent. She says this. On our way to school, Aaron, who's seven years old, on our way to school, Aaron, my son, and I were talking. He said, you know how Pastor Matt was talking about giving your life to God? When we got home last night, I went in my room and prayed and gave my life to God. He said, 
I told God, my life is yours. I told God, my life is yours. It was awesome, so I wanted to tell you. Now, I know the Steelers play this Thursday, and I know you're excited, but come on, people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is, that was the whole purpose, church. That was the whole entire purpose. Every dollar spent. And we haven't even got the water bill yet. Every bit of time it took to organize and plan and strategize and try to figure out how we were going to make this all come together. All of it was for Aaron, the seven-year-old boy. And isn't it cool how God works? It's just cool, isn't it? Because we have this expectation, right? In my head, I'm thinking, oh, man, these students, they're just going to fall down at the feet of Jesus. They're going to give their life to him. You know, I had this vision in my head, but that wasn't the case. It wasn't even a teenager. It was a seven-year-old boy who happened to be there with his mama watching his sister play volleyball. A seven-year-old boy. His thoughts are so much higher than ours, church. And his ways are so far greater than ours. Trust him. Let go. And trust him. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that when two or more are gathered together and they pray, touching on anything on this earth, in my name, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We prayed. We agreed. And of course, it's God's will to rescue someone's life. And that night, if we would have just said, you know what? Mudfest is just going to be too difficult. It's going to be too hard. Our students aren't going to be able to handle it. They're not ready yet. Our church is not big enough. We don't have the budget. Then Aaron would not be a Christian today. Are you hearing this? Man, that's why, that's why we give, not just money, time, possession. That's why we give our life. This is what we give our life to. And this is what I want these students to understand. Christianity is not a prayer that we pray one day in our life. It's a lifetime of giving away your life to God. Because you understand that God gave his very life for you. He gave everything. And in turn, you want to give your life to him in service. Because you understand that you have no chance without him. It reminds me of our text today in Mark chapter 12. Jesus tells a story. Could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine being at with Jesus as he's telling this story? What a phenomenal story. I, I mean, I know we get a taste of it every Sunday with Pastor Aaron. But being with Jesus and listening to him tell a story. And he told this story of a man who planted a vineyard. 
and he put a wall around it, and he dug a hole, and he put a wine press, and then he built a tower, and then he went off on a trip. And then he, he put um, some farmers, uh, he leased out the land to some farmers. And when it came time to reap some of the, the, the harvest of, of his land, he sent a servant to these farmers. And so the servant shows up. He says, hey, I'm here to collect um, the portion of the owner's harvest. And the farmers, instead of giving him the portion, they beat up the servant and kick him out. So the owner thinks this is kind of funny. I mean, he owns the land. He's just leasing it out. He's just trying to get some of uh, what he deserves from what he planted. So he sends another servant. They do the same thing. Beat him up. Kick him out. So he sends a third servant. This time they kill that servant and throw his body out of the vineyard. So the owner's getting kind of confused and, and he's not really understanding what's going on. So then he, he sends multiple other servants. And some they kill and then some they beat up, but it's the same story throughout. So then the, servant said, or the owner says, you know what? This time I'm going to send my one and only son to collect what is mine. And surely, surely they will respect my son. And so he sends his son off to the vineyard. And as the farmers see the son walking toward them, they say, here comes the owner's son. He will be the heir of this land, of this vineyard. We can't let him come in here. We must kill him. And so the farmers kill the man's son. And throw his body out of the vineyard. And then Jesus asks a question in verse 9, Mark chapter 12. He says, so what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those farmers and will give the vineyard to other farmers. Surely, verse 10, you have read this scripture. The stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. The Lord did this, and it is wonderful to us. That's a reference from Psalm 118. You can go back, uh, camp out there for a little minute. Thank you. The stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. This is kind of outside of my area of expertise, but cornerstone, those of you who are involved with construction, you guys know that any masonry foundation, you have a cornerstone, and the cornerstone is the most important stone of every stone because all the other stones are put in in relationship to the cornerstone. Basically, it, it establishes the, the entire position of the structure that you're building. The cornerstone is the stone. And Jesus is our cornerstone. Next verse. The Jewish leaders knew that the story was about them. This is interesting. Because sometimes Jesus would speak very directly to the religious leaders of his day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, those priests and scribes. The religious leaders in Jesus' day. Sometimes he would just speak very directly, very boldly. He would say, sometimes, there's one time in, in Matthew, he called them a brood of vipers. Just said, you are a bunch of snakes. 
Another time he said, you need to clean the inside of your cup because the outside is dirty. You may, or or the, the inside is dirty. You make sure that the outside of your cup is clean, but the inside isn't clean. Clean the inside of your cup. And then sometimes Jesus spoke indirectly to get his point across. He spoke through stories like he's doing here. I almost fell off this thing like you. I, I swore to myself I'd never do that. But I almost didn't. The Jewish leaders knew that the story was about them. So they wanted to find a way to arrest Jesus. But they were afraid of the people. So the leaders left them and went away. This is interesting because when I began to to do a little study of the Old Testament prophets, a good number of the Old Testament prophets whom God sent to his people, a good number of them were actually killed by the Jewish people. The very prophet whom God would send to speak truth to his people was killed by his own people. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Micah, Amos, some of these well-known prophets that we know when we're reading their scripture, when we're reading their stuff in the Old Testament, they were killed. I did not realize that. They were killed by Jewish leaders. God's own people. The very person God was sending to try to save his people, they rejected them. Second Chronicles chapter 24, we read a story about a man named Zechariah. It says, the spirit of God entered Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, the priest. Zechariah stood before the people and said, this is what God says. This is what prophets did. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would speak to the people. This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? You will not be successful because you have left the Lord. He has also left you. Next verse. But the king and his officers made plans against Zechariah. At the king's command, they threw stones at him in the courtyard of the temple of the Lord until he died. King Joash did not remember Jehoiada's kindness to him, so Joash killed Zechariah, Jehoiada's son. Before Zechariah died, he said, may the Lord see what you are doing and punish you. This is just one small example. God is trying to reach out to have mercy, to show grace and love to his people. And his people turn around and reject the prophet that God sends. Jesus in Luke chapter 13, he says, Jerusalem... Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone to death those who are sent to you. Many times I wanted to gather your people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not let me. Even Jesus, he speaks to his own people, warning them. Instructing them, you have killed the prophets whom God is trying to send to you, who he tried to send to you to get your attention. You killed them. Many of you recognize this, Acts chapter 7. Stephen, another one sent of God. This is after Jesus died, resurrected, ascended into heaven. Stephen is standing in Jerusalem in front of the high priest and all the officials. Stephen continued speaking, you stubborn people. 
You have not given your hearts to God, nor will you listen to him. You are always against what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you, just as your ancestors were. Your, ancestor tri your ancestors tried to hurt every prophet who ever lived. Those prophets said long ago that the one who is good would come, but your ancestors killed them. And now you have turned against and killed the one who is good. Speaking of Jesus. Verse 53, you received the law of Moses, which God gave you through the angels, but you haven't obeyed it. So there's many examples here. And we can find many more in the Old and New Testament of God's people rejecting the warning signs, rejecting God's offer of grace, love, and mercy. And it reminds me of, of a story of when I was young. And I vaguely remember it. I do remember it. Um, those of you who know me know my dad. My dad passed away when I was five. And so I don't have a lot of memories, but th there are few and far between. And this is, this is one I do remember. One day, uh, my dad was washing dishes. I was probably, I don't know, I guess I was four, close to five maybe. Uh, my dad was washing dishes. This is early 90s, all right. Did not have a dishwasher. So, you know, he, he had the water filled up in the sink, and he had the soap suds going on, and he was washing dishes. And so I decided I would take one of those little matchbox cars and throw it in the sink. And it was funny, and my dad laughed, and he said, oh, that's great, you know, but just, just don't do it again, okay? Don't do it again. So I thought we were having fun. I thought this is going to be great. So I went in my room, and I got a bigger car. And I ran into the kitchen, and I threw it in the sink. Water, water goes everywhere. He's like, son, don't do this again. This is not good. You see all this water everywhere? Don't do it again. I said, oh, daddy's playing. Daddy's playing with me because dad never whooped me. My dad never spanked me. I asked my mom. She said that he only spanked you one time. I wonder when that was. And so we're having fun. So I go back to the bedroom. I get another car, a little bit bigger, and throw it in. He says, one more time, son, one more time, and I'm going to spank you. I said, yeah, right. So I went back in my room, and I pulled out this thing right here. Come on, man, come on. Come on. You're moving too slow. Come on, come on. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Look at this big thing. I pulled out one of these big Tonka trucks, right? I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to throw this thing in the sink. And so I run in there in the kitchen. <gasps> Boosh. And then all my mom heard was pop, pop, pop. And then I came running like a little baby. Oh, mama. Oh, daddy's baby. Oh. And I was so mad. My dad spanked me. I mean, it broke my heart. He never spanked me, but he spanked me that time. Because I kept ignoring the warning signs. Don't do that, son. Don't do that. That's not going to be good for you. I said, no, daddy, no, daddy. And I did it anyways. And I wonder how many of you in this room 
have been ignoring the warning signs. Throughout the course of your life, you can look back and you can begin to see prophets that God has put in your path. People whom he has put in your path, either in your family, the job you work, or friends that you have. People whom God is trying to get your attention. He's trying to get you to wake up and understand that life is more than just you. It's more than just living for you and what you want and what you desire. He wants to change you. He wants to do something new in your heart. He wants to give you a new purpose to live for that's greater than yourself. And God has been spending your entire life trying to get your attention through these prophets. But you keep ignoring. You keep ignoring. Maybe later. Maybe when I get older. Maybe when I settle down. Maybe when I have a family, maybe when I get out of debt, maybe, just maybe. And for many, many years, God's been trying to get your attention. And you're putting the hand in his face. No, God, not today, not today. And ultimately, the person whom you are rejecting is the cornerstone. The most important stone whom you could ever reject. And there's going to come a day when you will not have any more chances. There will be no more prophets in your life. And it'll be over. Hear my heart this morning. If God is speaking to you today, I'm talking today is your day for salvation. Don't wait. Don't say, no, just maybe. Maybe, maybe, uh, no, not today, not today. I'm not ready today. No, if you know you've been living that life, you've been rejecting the prophets, you've been rejecting the warning signs, you've been doing what you wanted to do, and you are here today. Let me tell you, you're not here on accident. You didn't walk up in this church on accident. God brought you here for a purpose, to hear his message. And guess what? We've already prayed. We've already prayed for that one. And if you're that one this morning, when we stand, I want, I want you to do something very specific. It's going to take a faith step. But if you can't stand up for God in church, how are you going to stand up for him in the world? You're not going to be able to. So when we stand... If you're the one I'm speaking to, I want you to get out of your seat, walk down this aisle, and take me by the hand and say, Pastor Matt, today's the day. I'm the one you're talking about. And God is speaking to me, and I want to be changed today. And what's going to happen is that once you step out of that comfort, once you get out of that boat, it's hard it's hard to do something like Mudfest, something you've never done before, something that's outside of your realm of comprehension. It's, it's hard. But once you take a step of faith, every step you walk down that aisle, your past is going to be left behind. The chains that is, are enshackling you are going to be let go. And as you get to Jesus, you're going to find freedom.
you're going to find hope. And you're going to find a true purpose for your life. I believe the words in this book. In 16 years, by the grace of God, of walking with him, he's never went back on his word. If I'm obedient, God always, always takes care of me. Even through the pain, I know that my hope is greater than the pain of this world. And one day, I'm going to stand before him. And he's going to look at me. He's going to say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. We're about to party. And I want every single one of you to hear those words. Well done. No matter what you've done, no matter how many prophets you've rejected, God has given you another chance and you are not promised another. So if God is speaking to you, I want you to come take my hand. You guys stand with me. Father God, we just give you this moment. And Holy Spirit, I pray that if the one, the one is in this room and they know that it's time to change and it's time to repent and it's time to get clean and it's time to come forth and it's time to come home. If that's them, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just move speak and direct God we give you this time in Jesus name